Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hi there, good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday the 8th of December. I'm Adam Leventhal. On today's show, 10-point penalty, but Everton out of the bottom three. Really, really important from a psychological perspective for this Everton side. Newcastle left Goodison bruised. Fatigue really did appear to set in. It's Spurs next, who lose after leading again. Captain Son's verdict. We lost the game, which is... Unacceptable. And we preview Manchester City's conquerors Aston Villa against Arsenal. They are a more solid proposition than they were. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Adam Leventhal. We start with a night to remember at Goodison Park. McNeil missed it, Decore didn't, and Everton are heading out of the relegation zone. It's quite a tale. Yes, Everton's 3-0 victory over Newcastle, courtesy of goals from McNeil, Decore and Sub-Beto, moves them 17th with 10 points, just three games after their 10-point deduction for breaking Premier League profit and sustainability rules. The three promoted teams, Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United, now sit below them. The thing that you've heard me talk about endlessly this season is the mentality, and I think you can sense there's a connected group doesn't guarantee anything, but it's when you're on something, and I think we are on something. The Athletics' Paddy Boyland sums up another passion fueled night at Goodison Park. Really, really important from a psychological perspective for this Everton side, who've been dealt so many blows in recent weeks, including a 10-point deduction, to just be able to get the win on the board, push up the table, be out of the bottom three. Quite clear at the end of the game, the sense of relief, but also of euphoria with... Players celebrating with fans. Seamus Coleman, the club captain, was over to the Gladys Street end, giving the big fist bump. Abdoulaye Decore, a goal scorer again, did the same. And Goodison was at a buoyant, raucous best after a fantastic win and fantastic performance. No 10-point penalty and Everton would be 10th, above their next opponent's Chelsea on Sunday. So is it simply now the only way is up? When you think about it, that's a remarkable achievement given the respective resources of these two teams. Where Chelsea have spent big on talent from across the globe under Todd Bowley, manager Sean Dyche at Everton has had to fashion a team from scant resources, selling players at regular intervals in order to satisfy financial obligations. Everton just feel like more than the sum of their parts right now and a lot of that is down to Dyche's astute management. I'm not so sure Everton will target finishing above Chelsea this season, I'm not sure that's the goal. A lot there will depend on whether players Players like Dominic Calvert-Lewin can stay fit over the course of the whole season. But what I think they will look to do is, now that they're out of the bottom three, is to put substantial ground between themselves and the newly promoted clubs, Luton, Burnley, Sheffield United, and make sure that they, by the time of March or April, they're not in the position they were last year where they were fighting to the death to avoid the drop. 
Well, Newcastle left Goodison with yet more injury worries. Captain Jamal Lascelles limped off late, ahead of two key games coming up. Spurs away on Sunday, then AC Milan at home on Wednesday in the Champions League. Here's The Athletic's Newcastle reporter, Chris Woff. Yeah, for Newcastle United, this sort of reminiscent to a certain degree of the Bournemouth defeat just before the November international break where they lost uh, 2-0, just looked fatigued. Tonight was slightly different in the sense that they had big opportunities. Uh, Certainly in the second half, first half of the second half, they were the far better side. Could and should have maybe taken a couple of chances. Anthony Gordon threw on goal against his former club and lacked a bit of composure. But then last 15 minutes, fatigue really did appear to set in. And the same 10 outfield players who've started each of the last four matches in the last 10 days or so they just looked like they'd basically fallen off a cliff by the end of the match and Kieran Trippier had fallen for two of the goals usually Newcastle's Mr Reliable and that really is, is the big disappointment of this that away from home they just seem to keep reaching this point where because they can't make changes they're just struggling and then, and then end up getting picked off towards the end of matches and Jamal Lascelles limping off with what looked potentially like a a bad hamstring injury is is another big blow, isn't it? Yeah, losing Jamal Lascelles is huge. He's Newcastle's captain. He hadn't played for a long while, but since he's come back into the team with Sven Botman out, he's, he's been colossal. And, and Newcastle can't afford to have any more injuries. They already had more than 11 out of players before this match. Some are getting close to return, but aren't necessarily imminent. At central defence, that to bring on Emil Kraft, who's really a right-back to play at central defence. He's also just coming back from a very serious injury. Sven Botman is hopefully returning to training soon, but he may take a bit of time to get up to speed. And really Really, they are just losing bodies every match, one key player per game. It was Nick Pope at the weekend, it's Jamal Lascelles here. They're going to almost certainly have to make further changes on Sunday. And Eddie Howe can't really rotate that much going into Sunday. If he does, he's going to significantly weaken his side. But the, the load that the players are going through, this is really, it's unprecedented that Eddie Howe has had to go through this. But Newcastle just keep losing players. It just doesn't seem to stop. And the Champions League places in terms of the Premier League are not going to be decided now and at this weekend. But these next two games, obviously, uh, against Spurs and then against AC Milan, it feels like a pivotal moment for Newcastle if they are going to be playing Champions League football onwards in this season, but potentially next season. Yeah, it's it's hard to really understate how big these next two matches are. Newcastle's away form is poor, and that's where you worry for them going to Spurs. Their home form is, is almost exemplary, but they've only won twice in all competitions away all season. In the Premier League, they've only won once, so they go to a Spurs side who obviously have started the season relatively well, even if they've stumbled a little bit now, and you do worry for them a little bit there. Against AC Milan next week, Newcastle have to win to have a chance of progressing. If they win, they then need Dortmund to do them a favour against PSG, which seems... Ver- eminently possible but you just wonder what side is Eddie Howe going to be able to put out next week in the Champions League he's already had to play Lewis Miley in the last four matches a 17 year old who's played very very well but really he's been thrust into the limelight sooner than Newcastle would have ideally wanted so this is a huge few days ahead for Newcastle it's just we'll have to wait and see what side he can actually play in each of those two matches which could be two pivotal matches in the context of Newcastle's entire season You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic Now to Tottenham They let a one-goal lead slip once again to lose at home 2-1 against West Ham. To Bowen, the post, Ward Prowse puts West Ham in front. How about that? So Ward Prowse with the winner after Bowen cancelled out Romero's opener. The verdict of Captain Son, damning. No, it's uh, West Ham been always a tough play against, so we knew what was what was coming. But look, I mean. We were soft. So what is happening? Here's the Athletics Spurs reporter, Tim Spears. 
They've set a Premier League, an unwanted Premier League record by taking the lead in their last five matches and not winning any of them. Losing four of them. Some of the circumstances they lost a couple of those previous matches were fair enough, I thought. Losing to Chelsea with nine men. Unluckily losing to a good Villa team. You know, the Wolves one was a bit of a freak result where they sort of conceded two in stoppage time. But here was like, yeah, the first one I'd be concerned about if I was a Spurs fan. They looked short of ideas when they went 2-1 down. They looked like they panicked a little bit. The substitutions just made them weaker, you know, reflecting uh, the issues they got with the squad. And they look short of, short of confidence, really, at the end to me. So, yeah, it followed a familiar pattern of recent matches where they, as always, come flying out the traps, get a goal like they so often do. But then, yeah, they're not actually that clinical at taking their chances. You know, for all we, for all that we marvel at their attacking play, of the top eight teams in the Premier League, only Man United have scored fewer goals. After the start of the season, eight wins out of 10, the amount of credit that Postacoglu has in the bank is still exceeding the worry by these results, right? The pattern of results is something that we'll all fixate on and wonder exactly what's happened to change from eight wins and two draws to four defeats and one draw. Um, I mean, what did happen at that moment was they got this glut of injuries and suspensions in, in one week. I mean, it was remarkable how many players they lost. And I thought that was a completely fair enough excuse for what we saw in the following weeks. But it becomes less of an excuse now they've got a few players back. Christian Romero is back from suspension. Papsar made his return from injury. Richarlison is back. Uh, Basuma's back from suspension. They've almost got their first choice back five out. And this is pretty much it now until January. So point is, this is pretty much what they've got. They've got five more games in December, so they can't use injuries as an excuse. They've got to, they're not down to the bare bones anymore. They've got to just get on with it. Yeah, a word about the next game in particular. By the time they take on Newcastle, they may well be outside the top five. Is there extra pressure now on that game just to to get back on track? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it depends what their ambitions are for the season, really. I mean, you know, when you can fly out the traps and you're, you're top of the league after nine, ten matches, then it looks like Champions League is the minimum aim. But I think if you ask Postacoglu what the aim is for the season, well, he, he says it's whatever the fans are happy with. But realistically, you know, top five in Champions League football would be the, the limit of their ambitions, I think, this season. And whatever happens on Sunday against Newcastle, that's still very much very very much achievable and um but it, it, it will be an important match just to just to get a foothold again well you can see if spurs can end that run of four defeats in five against newcastle on sky sports in the uk at 4 30 on sunday that's 11 30 eastern on usa network before that west ham just three points back from spurs now go to fulham in one of three 2 p.m kickoffs in the uk that's 9 a.m eastern Everton, Chelsea and Luton take on a Manchester City side without a win in four. So the 5.30 kickoff on Saturday on Sky Sports in the UK, that's 12.30 Eastern on NBC, is leaders Arsenal against third-placed Aston Villa. And the gap between the two going into the weekend is just four points with Liverpool tucked in between them. The Athletics' Art de Rocher is here. So... It's a club record 14 straight wins at home for Villa, but Arsenal are the last team to win there in February. So do the visitors head there with hope or trepidation? I would say a little bit of both. Just seeing how Aston Villa played uh, against Manchester City, you can see they're a team that's confident and just flowing, really. So I think the big thing for Arsenal is probably trying to find a way to <laughs> to contain that flow if they can. But from there, I, I do feel they are a more solid proposition than they were 
last season defensively. Declan Rice is obviously a big part of that. Um, so I think that's probably where the emphasis will start more. Okay, how do we deal with what Aston Villa have to bring? And then from there, I think you grow into the game and maybe that's where the hope uh, starts to kick in. But definitely be a tough, a tough one. And Art, yes, they got their win against Luton and that will give them confidence. But there is still an issue in goal. David Raya was at fault for two of the goals against Luton. Yet Mikel Arteta isn't really willing to engage in any possibility of Aaron Ramsdale coming back in, is he? No, and that's been the case whenever he's been asked about um, either goalkeeper. Uh, when Ramsdale started against Brentford, he had a similarly dicey game, but Arsenal kept a clean sheet, Ramsdale kept a clean sheet, and uh, Arteta was asked about it after the game. And he has his almost stock response to that question now where he just says he's so happy with the team. And I think he's probably in his mind almost a bit tired of it now. But I, I don't really see it going any much differently to how it's gone so far. I, I reckon Raya will probably be the one who starts again. And what would you say now is the opinion of Unai Emery at Arsenal, considering his his history there? Yeah, I, I do see sometimes there is a bit of, I guess you'd call it revisionism <laughs> on on uh, on social media where people see how well he has Aston Villa playing and think, why wasn't that the case at Arsenal? Or was that the case at Arsenal? Um, I think the fair, I guess, reflection from both sides really is it just wasn't really the right fit. Uh, when you look at the way clubs move, big clubs, that manager that comes in after the person who's been there for ages is always going to struggle. I think, if anything, people would be happy for him that he's um, been able to almost prove himself in England again. But in terms of him and Arsenal, it just wasn't quite the right fit. Well, elsewhere on Saturday, if Liverpool win at Crystal Palace in the early kickoff, live on TNT in the UK at 12.30, that's 7.30 Eastern on USA Network, they will go top before Villa Arsenal later in the day. Former Liverpool boss Roy Hodgson under pressure at Palace, by the way. They've lost five out of seven, including against three of the bottom six, which they are just a place above. Also worth keeping an eye on Nottingham Forest at Wolves with the Forest boss Steve Cooper clinging on to his job after five defeats in six. Also on Saturday, Manchester United could go level on points with Manchester City and up to fifth if they can beat Bournemouth, Brighton Burnley and Sheffield United Brentford are the other games on Saturday. Also on Planet Football over the weekend, in Serie A on Friday, it's Juventus in second against Napoli in fifth, Leaders Inter face Udinese on Saturday evening. La Liga leaders Real Madrid go to 7th place Betis on Saturday. The pick though is 2nd versus 3rd Girona against Barcelona on Sunday. Bundesliga and Bayer Leverkusen 3 points clear at the top face 3rd place Stuttgart on Sunday. Before that Bayern Munich in 2nd could go top on goal difference by beating Eintracht Frankfurt on Saturday. In Liga, it's leaders PSG versus Nantes on Saturday, second place Nice versus Reims in fifth, one to look out for on Sunday. And last, but certainly not least, the MLS Cup is on Saturday at 9pm in the UK, 
4pm Eastern. It's Columbus Crew against LAFC. Remember, LAFC are the defending champions. That's it for today's Daily Football Briefing. This has been Adam Leventhal, supported by producer Mike Zimmerman and exec producer Ian McIntosh. Subscribe, follow, comment and all the good stuff if you wouldn't mind. Tim Spears is back on Monday. Have a great weekend. The Athletic.